Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Jan. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. Today, we are blessed to have Meredith Weatherby with us again. And just hold on to your hats. Her passion for the Lord and her enthusiasm for life is always energizing for me. I know it's a treat to have you here, Meredith. Uh, So what do you want to share with us today? Thank you, Jan. Thank you, Jan and Lynn. I'm grateful to be here. Thank you, as always. Um, Okay, well, okay, before we get started, I'm going to ask you all and everyone listening, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to read something. And I'm going to ask a question after it. Here we go. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, my question is this. When I read that scripture, those words to you, what came to your mind? Did you think right away, oh, that's Psalm 23. Okay, now I know many of us listening to this podcast, we've just studied Lesson 7 in our study on Psalms. So, of course, it's familiar to us. We just read it. We just studied it. But I bet many of you would have known, even before studying this lesson, the psalm number when I read that out loud just now. Or maybe you remembered the first time you heard it, where you were when you heard it, or possibly you thought of a particular person, Mm. a particular funeral, uh, something. Mm. Well, I will say, yes, it is very familiar. Would I know that it was 23? Mm, uh, It would just depend on the day, honestly. Yeah. Um, And I don't, I can't recall a very specific thing, but I just know that it's one of those Psalms that whenever I do hear it, I just feel a great sense of comfort and peace. Yeah. I remember this psalm for two reasons. One was we had sheep when I was growing up on the ranch. (laughs) And the second one was, this was one of the first scriptures that we had to memorize in our class that we took before we joined the church, right? And it always both comforted me and confused me because I knew those sheep and sheep stink (laughs) as cute as they are. They, They smell. And yet in this psalm, they are so loved. Yeah. And I love that image. Yeah. Okay. Well, I knew the number, and I think I, I think I can tell you why. I can tell you what I first thought of. Well, okay, there were two things, actually. The first was immediately it was a song that came to my mind. This is not surprising. I have been in choirs for most of my life, and in choir, you sing a lot of versions of Psalm 23. Mm-hmm. So that's why I knew the number. I knew mm-hmm. it. And I, can, I still hear this one melody, this particular melody in my head. While I was studying, I literally went online to try to find that melody. You know, like I went to YouTube and like looked up. It was a huge mistake because I got sucked into this rabbit hole of listening to so many versions on YouTube. Um, <clears throat> many of them I'd sung before. Like, oh, I remember this one. I remember this one. 
There was this um, one that's written by John Rutter. Y'all, if you have time, go listen to it. It's so, so beautiful. It's so pretty. It starts oh. with, there's like a harp in it that starts with this oboe and then the choir comes in. It's beautiful. You almost have this image of sitting on the green grass right beside the still water. It's mm. really pretty. Mm. Okay, funnily enough, I literally, I never found the melody that I was, that is still in my head. I'm yes. hoping that I will, but I. I'm hoping you'll sing for us. No, I'm not going to sing it now. <laughs> I, but oh, okay. I, wait, I did really try, like on my phone, in the Shazam yeah, app, tried I tried to sing, to sing into it to yeah. see if it, it didn't, didn't work. work. But anyway, <laughs> okay, so that was the first thing. But the second thing I thought of when I read it, as I was studying, I just sat down to study my lesson. I, immediately, that what came to mind is a friend of mine who just the day before she had experienced a death in mm-hmm. her life. And before I had written all over it or anything, I literally took a picture of the lesson, of those words, and I sent it to her. Mm-hmm. And I told her I was praying for her and I was thinking mm-hmm. of her. I'm going to come back to this later, but for now, let's go and look at a little bit of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, as I said, it's very familiar Mm -hmm. to many of us. So much so that it's really hard. Maybe it's a hard one to study and actually get something new out of it. As a matter of fact, I was studying for this podcast today, and one of the resources I read, it describes Psalm 23 this way. It says, the psalm, this psalm has sung its way into more hearts than any other part of the Bible except the Lord's Prayer. So it may be challenging us to see it in a new light, but let's try. I just want to share a few reflections as I was studying that were new to me. Okay. Okay. So before Psalm 33, what do we know about it? Well, we know it's written by David. Um, We know he was king of Israel at the time that he wrote it, but we don't really know. There's some not consensus about what part of his life he wrote it. But what we do know is it starts with this metaphor. The Lord is my shepherd. The metaphor of God being a shepherd is used throughout the Old Testament. It would have been really familiar to the people of Israel, not only because of its prevalence in the Old Testament, that's part of it, Mm -hmm. but also because of the economy and culture they lived in. Shepherds were very common, just like you said, Jan, sheep, you knew sheep. Well, not only that, shepherds would have been really familiar to David because, I mean, we know he was king at the time he wrote it, but his earliest and longest Mm. profession as a young boy, he was a shepherd. That's right. He intimately knew that job. He knew that the primary, he knew their primary duties and their primary duties of a shepherd were provision and protection of their flock, mm-hmm. of their flock of sheep. But there's something here in Psalm 23 that's different. It makes it stand out from a lot of the other uh, metaphors of God being a shepherd. And because that's often, God was referred to as the shepherd of the nation of Israel, but mm-hmm. not as a shepherd of one person. It says, oh. the Lord is my shepherd. It makes this Psalm very personal. One thing I read said this, this this psalm's use of the first person singular confession is unparalleled. Mm. It is the focus of the shepherd's care of one individual that gives this psalm such intimate force. Mm -hmm. David not only intimately knew the job of shepherd to protect and to provide, but he also shows in using this language this way, he does that he has intimate knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. The Lord is my shepherd, and he knew that God would be a protector and provider for him. The other thing about Psalm 23 that we're studying is you feel the mood of this psalm as you read it. One thing I read said, many of the psalms of David are full of complaints. Oh, yeah. And we get to a lot of those. (laughs) Full of complaints, of course. But Psalm 23 is full of comforts. Mm. And it's true. All the imagery in the psalm is about comfort. You've got green grass to lie down in and the quiet water next to you. You have a table prepared for you. You can imagine the food at the table and the oil Mm. anointing your head. You, you feel comfort when you mm-hmm. read this. And the comfort and this lack of complaining, it's not because life is all great. 
right? Yeah. Verse four is yeah. probably the reason the psalm is used so much at funerals. In our study here, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, but other translations, like the one I read earlier, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. This is a description of a dark time in David's life, but you don't, you do not hear the complaining. All you hear is he feels completely comforted and mm-hmm. assured that God is with him. He knows that God will protect him and comfort him as in the face of his enemies, that his cup is going to be overflowing, that God's goodness and love will follow him all the days of his life. As an aside mm-hmm. here, the word for follow in that verse, it doesn't mean like, you know, I'm going to tag along, right? You know, like somebody's mm-hmm. following mm-hmm. you, like, like a mother duck with their little ducklings following her. What it actually means, like, is means to pursue with an intention of overtaking. It's oh, really wow. interesting to have this word. You, you put in the psalm here to describe God's goodness and love right after David mentions his enemies. It's this wonderful juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. The word that means to pursue with an intention of overtaking, it would make much more sense to describe your enemy, like something your enemy does. Sure. But David uses it to describe God's love and goodness. So all throughout this psalm, it feels as if David is assured and trusting. It's like he says, this bad stuff is happening, but it's okay. God's got me, and he's leading me through this. Mm. You feel this sense of comfort reading it, don't you? It's, it's, it's no wonder that people turn to this psalm for comfort in some of the darkest times of their lives. That's so true. Um, it makes sense. And Meredith, I love two things in particular that you pointed out here. First, that the Lord is my shepherd. That intimacy is just something that he is an intimate God. And I think that's easy to lose track of because he is so big that we sometimes just think of him bigger instead of more personally. Um, And I always want to remember that personal part in my relationship with God because uh, that's really what it's all about, right? Yeah that connection. And then second, and you know, I love a good definition I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to know that that word follow actually means to pursue with an intention of overtaking is just beautiful yeah, to me. It is. I mean, God wants to overtake us with his love and goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there anything better than that? Yeah. And why would we run? <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't. Yeah. Kind of scary. (laughs) What I love about this, you know, we've talked along about how you can find Jesus in the Psalms. Yeah. And this is a perfect description of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Mm. Yeah. Caring and providing for his sheep. All of those uh, comments and quotes from John come to mind. Yeah. Um, But also something you said, it's personal. Remember the parable he told about he's got 99 sheep. One of them has gone astray of the hundred. And he goes and he seeks the one. He leaves the 99 in a safe place and he goes and seeks the one. And that just brings it home that a shepherd has a personal relationship with his sheep. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it brings it back to that one, this individual. Yes. Yes. That's really good. Um, The other thing I know about sheep besides the fact that they stink (laughs) is that they scare easily. And the comfort and the care of the good shepherd is, it's not just a good thing. It's an absolutely necessary thing for sheep. And you feel both of those. Here, even yeah. though we stink and smell and scare easily and run <laughs> off, the shepherd pursues us yeah. and love takes that. care of oh, us. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, but I, okay, now let's move. So we're going to go from Psalm 23 to Psalm 61, which is the next Psalm that we have, because I want to compare all that I just said about Psalm 23, the imagery, the mood of it all to the next Psalm in our study, 61. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest with you, okay, I love when I study, I read those little headers up in the top corner <laughs> mm-hmm. and so today, for Lesson 7, it says we're, we're learning about, studying about comfort and peace. 
So, so easy for me to pick up on all the comfort in Psalm 23. Mm -hmm. So I immediately assumed when I turned the page, the next Psalm is going to make me feel peace. Yeah, no, we never make it that easy (laughs) on you. you (laughs) No, because when I read Psalm 61, I felt the opposite. Mm. It's, it's also written by David. But when I first read it, it felt like, I don't, it, this cry, like he says, hear my cry. He talks about his heart growing faint. He's calling from the ends of the earth. I literally wrote next to it, this feels like anxiety and desperation. It does not feel like peace. So I started studying a little bit about this psalm, and I learned that most scholars think that David wrote it when he was, when he was on the run. He was mm-hmm. banished. He was away mm-hmm. from home, either because he was being pursued by Saul, but likely they think it was when he was, um, when he was, because he refers to himself as king in it, and he wasn't king when Saul was pursuing him. Right. Mm-hmm. So they think it was written when he was in Edom, and his son Absalom mm-hmm. was trying to overthrow him as king, mm-hmm. and trying to kill him and overthrow him as king. Right. So I went to the early chapters of the Bible to read about Absalom and David. I, I kind of remembered, but I didn't really. So <laughs> it is a really sordid story, y'all. Yes. Um, it's in 2 Samuel, if you want to go read it. Mostly uh, chapters like 13 through 16. And it involves Absalom's sister, Tamar, and one of their half-brothers named Amnon. Amnon. And after all that happens in the story, a lot of hurt, a lot of family dynamics. We come to this place in the story finally where Absalom is trying to kill David and take his throne. Mm. You know, I can't, my family is so important to me. I can't even imagine how devastating that would feel. Me, me neither. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought my family was dysfunctional. <laughs> it <laughs> yes. doesn't really compare. No, it does not. Um, in Second Samuel 16, you do get a glimpse of David's feelings, how you said, Lynn, you couldn't imagine how yeah. he feels. You, yeah. He's traveling because um, he's away from home and um, someone from Saul's family comes out and he says to him, actually, first he starts throwing stones at him and all of his entourage mm-hmm. that he's with. And then a member of Saul's family starts throwing stones at David. David, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I, we don't know who he is, but it, yeah. um, 2 Samuel 16, 8, he says this to him. He says, the Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the house of Saul. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son, Absalom. You've come to ruin because you are a murderer. No. I know. And also, like, he is having uh, this, it's like, it's like the accuser telling you, mm-hmm. you know, all this bad stuff that's happening, it's all your fault. And right. it, it's, it's like your worst fears. Yeah. Somebody's saying it feels it out like loud. piling on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So as officials, they want to punish this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and David's response is this. He's like, my own son, my flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this, Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse me for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore me to his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. Mm. I, I can imagine that David like went out right after this and wrote Psalm 61, just like, yeah. oh, hear my cry. I read in one commentary, it says this. Okay, this is what it says about Psalm 61. The most reasonable approach to Psalm 61 is to consider it the lament of a king who is sorely troubled. Sorely troubled. <laughs> that feels like a, a major understatement. <laughs> yes, to me. yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, when I read that, I think I wouldn't just be crying out. I'd be crying. I would be crying. I well, that's not. I mean, what a yeah. betrayal! I know it's, of your own family. Yeah. He feels like he has nothing left. He's feeling pursued. He feels betrayed, fearful, dejected. But you know what he does? He turns to the one place where he knows he can, can go. He has nowhere else to turn. Even his own family has turned against him. But he doesn't leave God. Mm-hmm. That's where he turns. And I think that's where the peace comes. You can see it in the psalm as it progresses, because he starts out in this utter desperation. Hear my cry. My heart is growing faint, but as he goes on, he remembers who God is, and he starts to list it. God's a refuge and a strength, a strong tower, he says. Mm -hmm. He hears us. He gives us shelter. He gives us safety, 
a place to dwell. He leads us to a rock that is higher than I, as he mm. says. Those words, when I read that, it reminded me of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, where God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, mm. neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. David is first physically asking for shelter. He's remembering and he needs this shelter from this immediate danger he's in. He wants higher ground, a strong tower to shield him and protect him from his foes, mm-hmm. his son in this mm-hmm. case, those who are trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's also this sense of him saying, God, I, I do not know what you're doing here. I don't. Mm-hmm. But I know that you are faithful and you've been faithful before and you will be again. Mm-hmm. And i I know that your ways are higher than mine. I don't know what else to do, but remember who you are and to trust that you know what you're doing, because I don't. I think we can all relate to this feeling at one time or other in our lives mm-hmm. of not knowing what God is up to, but having no choice but to trust that he's good and faithful, mm-hmm. and he loves us and he knows what he's doing. And that's where the peace comes from. That happens to me a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and reading this, I can sense David's relief. Yeah. When he remembers that God may be up to something that he can't understand or certainly see. And I, I know that I find great comfort in the fact that God's ways are not my ways and that he always loves and he always provides good. Even when I can't see it or understand it, even when it doesn't come until much later, God is at work in these times. And it, it, just, it reminds me of that verse in Romans eight twenty eight that says, God causes all things to work together for good Mm -hmm. for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is always up to something, and frequently we can't see what it is. Yeah. But there is peace in that, knowing that he's up to something. There is so much peace in that, because you don't have to sort your way through it. Yeah. Well, and also, I think you can't can't forget that this proves that David had that intimacy with God. Yes. You cannot have it in that moment if you haven't had it before that. That's a really good point. So we can recognize that he has— an intimate enough relationship with God that he can go to him yeah. in these times and yeah. say, I mean, he me, was called a man after God's own heart. Yeah. yeah. All right, Meredith. So where are you going with this? Because uh, I know you're going somewhere. Oh, sure. You sure I am. <laughs> um, okay. Where I'm going is I'd like to go back where I started. Okay. So as I was studying this lesson, you know how I, immediately before I wrote anything down, I, I took a picture and I texted Psalm 23 to my friend. Uh-huh. Mm. This lesson and the words in both of these psalms, really, they can be such a comfort to those who are experiencing a really dark time. Mm-hmm. And if that's you, I, I hope, I really hope that you've heard God speaking directly to you and you've been given some peace and comfort as you've gone through this lesson. That was definitely my hope and my prayer for my friend as mm-hmm. I sent her that text. Mm. But after all my studying, I was kind of struggling to figure out like how good it could apply to me like right now. I haven't recently experienced a loss, and I was wondering if maybe it was best to just tuck this away for a time when I really needed it, because mm. I know they'll come. Mm-hmm. But I found two things as I was doing this to be really helpful. I just wanted to share in case they might help anyone else who's kind of in this place. First, I went back and I took a look over my whole lesson, and something caught my eye right away, and that's the, the first verse of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. When I had first done my study, I, I circled the words, I lack nothing. And I'd written a question next to it. Do I feel like I lack nothing? Mm. And I, I wrote, no. <laughs> uh, I sure don't act like it. And so I took a minute and I wrote in the margin, okay, what do I feel like I lack? And I answered, honestly, a whole list of things. What do I feel like I lack? Wisdom, time, money for college. We're about mm-hmm. to have to pay for two. Um, mm-hmm. Answers in a situation with my parents. The list was kind of long, actually. 
Okay, so after I wrote this list, okay, what do I feel like I'm lacking? I wrote a list of things. Um, I, I wrote at the top, what God provides. And so the way that I answered that question is I went through the scripture, Psalm 23. What does God provide? Rest, green pastures, mm-hmm. quiet waters, guidance and leading, refreshment, the right path, comfort, his presence, an overflowing cup, anointing, goodness and love, a place to dwell, a place to belong mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. And it was an immediate shift of focus for me, y'all, to look at those two lists mm-hmm. side by side. Because I realized that these words are not just a comfort for us when we're going through a really dark time. Because just about everything I wrote in that column were the things that I lack. What do you feel like you lack? Well, answers in a situation, right? That was one of them. He guides us on the right path. Mm -hmm. I saw it right there. You feel like you're lacking some material thing. He makes your cup overflowing. It's all right there. It reminded me of that story, Jan, that you quoted. It was in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, the story of the two wolves, mm-hmm. right? And we, which one are you going to feed? And what I realized is the two wolves in this application of my life were what I lack and what God provides. The one who's going to win is the one we feed. Mm-hmm. And I, it caused me to ask myself, do I focus most of my time and energy and thought on what I lack or on what God provides? Mm-hmm. You know, Meredith, that is a fabulous application. It is so easy for us to stand back from these psalms and think, well, I'm not a shepherd, you know, yeah. and and not bring them into the presence. And you just did a really good job of that. And and you know how I love making lists. Yes. So I am <laughs> going too. to make those two lists this this week and and work on focusing on what God provides, not on what I lack, yeah. and see how He's providing for what I lack in those. I just, I love that. Thank That's you. great. Yeah, me too. I was good. Well, Meredith, this is such an important point. And if we're honest with ourselves, feeling lack is something that we can all admit to, even though, honestly, what do we, you know, we have a roof over our heads. We're yeah. more more blessed than, yeah. I don't like that word blessed in this situation, but you know what I mean. We have more than most yeah, people the in the hashtag world. Hashtag blessed. Yeah, yes, yes, you. yes. <laughs> um, I have, it, when you said a little bit earlier about the Psalms are all about complaining yes, because there's so much complaining in it. It's so true. And I have this little saying on my bulletin board right above my desk um, that I try and read often, and especially when I'm feeling like this, like I'm lacking something. Yeah. And it says, complaining is our biggest addiction. Break the habit by being thankful instead. Mm-hmm. Because you can't be both. You no. can't be complaining while you're being thankful. It, right. they're, they're, they're oppositional. So for me, that means when I find myself feeling like I'm missing something in my life, which as I said, we all feel like that at some time or another, I try and start thinking about everything that I have and everything that I've been given that I didn't deserve or worthy or earn. And it changes that perspective for me, yes. right? It, it makes me end up grateful instead of complaining. And honestly, a little bit embarrassed that I was... <laughs> Ungrateful to begin with. I I think it's important that we, the Psalms are such a lesson in not being embarrassed of feeling what we feel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amen. It's It's just that if we take it to the right place, it can be transformed. Sure. I love that. Anyway. And we do need to be honest about it. Yes, we do. Not just with God, with with each other. I agree. I agree. So, yeah. Okay. Let me, then I'm I'm done. The second thing that helped me as I was doing this study is this. And, you know, um, in our Lamplighter study um, here, like in town, those of us that can, we gather on Wednesday mornings at the church. We gather at 930 for just about 30 minutes to sort of have coffee and, of course, and but just to get to lay eyes on each mm-hmm. other. And, um, well, as part of that gathering, 
with someone from Lamplighters that will tell a story, a psalm story, if mm-hmm. you will, something about a psalm that came alive in their life in some way. Mm-hmm. And um, a few weeks ago, Laura Tuma, who's sometimes here uh, doing podcasts, she shared a time uh, when she, at a retreat with her small group, she was led through this guided meditation of Psalm 23. Mm. And I, I was literally in the middle of studying for this when she did that. And I was like, oh, I want, I can go download that. I, yeah. I want to go download and go through that. And yeah. I did. Um, I, I just went to the resources tab off of the Lamplighter's website and went through the guide. It was really good. It made mm-hmm. Psalm 23 come alive for me in a whole new way. And it wasn't about having to be in this really dark time. But I, I commend that to you for, mm. to, mm-hmm. for anyone who's curious. It, mm-hmm. it was a very good exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so for those who don't already know, that meditation can be found on the Lamplighters website, yeah. lamplightersbiblestudy.com. Click on resources and then scroll down to study tips and okay. you'll find the link underneath there. So Meredith, do you have any questions for our listeners this week? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, I suppose I'll just take a question from my own lesson that I learned uh, during the, my study. And that is, um, are you focusing most on what you lack or on what God provides? And how can you shift your focus this week? And I would just encourage uh, people to make those two lists because it becomes very concrete when you write it down. Yeah. Instead of just thinking about it, you write it down and you, you kind of realize where you are in that. And also spend some time with that guided meditation. To be immersed in Psalm 23 is a great place to be. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be a blessing. Okay. Until next time. <laughs>